One of the things that was being discussed in our break here among the class is what else do we want but God's manifested presence? And why would a person ever want to see the church not be in the presence of God? Why would anybody want to see the windows of heaven once opened in the glory of God coming down and coming in and coming through and touching and filling? The question was asked, what else do we want? What else do we desire that is greater than or better than God's manifested presence? Now that's the question. Now please don't expect me to give you an answer because I don't have an answer because I don't understand that either. The greatest honor, the greatest blessing, the greatest experience that a man or a woman can have is to be in the manifested presence of God. I enjoyed visiting with my children by telephone last evening from the hotel. Wherever I am in the world, I talk to my family once a day, sometimes twice a day. Wherever I am, you say, you've got a big telephone bill. I do. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I want to talk to my kids. I want to talk and visit with my wife. But beloved, it's not the same. It's just not the same to talk by telephone through a mechanical means at a long distance. It's not the same as being there face to face. I visited with them last night from the hotel. But in just a little while, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go home and I'm going to be with them tonight, face to face. And God wants that kind of a relationship with His children. He wants to come and not just have this long-distance absentee relationship with His people, this long-distance absentee relationship with His children. He wants to come down and come up close and come near and allow them to come near to Him and Him to come and to touch us and to fill us with His life and His presence and His power. And I do not understand what people in church are looking for that's better than that. I don't understand a Christian that says, Oh, I love God, but I don't want to be around Him. <laughs> oh, I love the Lord, but I, I don't want to get too close to Him. You know, I went to a zoo in Johannesburg last week in South Africa and during the crusade, one of the pastors took me to the Johannesburg Zoo. I enjoyed seeing the tigers and the big bears, but there was a big moat of deep water between where the tigers were and the lions were and the bears were. And I could look over and I could see them there, but they couldn't get to me because I was afraid of them and it was dangerous. And I wanted to observe from afar and enjoy the zoo appearance from my side of the moat, behind my side of the fence. And unfortunately, that's the mentality that many churches have. Unfortunately, that's the mentality that many Christians have. Now, let me say something. I don't want to get anybody upset with me today. But a Christian that wants nothing to do with the presence of God, you're going to be miserable when you get to heaven, if you get there, if you get there. A person that doesn't want anything to do with the glory of God, the presence of God, is going to be miserable because glory is the atmosphere of heaven. The manifested presence of God is going to become a reality to us through all of eternity. Now turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14. 
Because in this lesson, we are going to look together at the biggest obstacle that stands in the way, that aborts revival, that closes the heavens when God opens them, the biggest obstacle and the biggest roadblock that aborts what God seeks to do, and it is called the spirit of religion. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. The Bible says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end result of that, the final destination, what comes at the very end of that process is not life, but it's death. You see, brothers and sisters, the problem with deception is the people that are deceived don't know they're deceived. It seems right. It seems good. It seems to be the logical and correct, makes sense way to go. And the Bible talks about that and says there is a way that will seem right to people, but the end result of that is going to lead to death. Paul addressed this same issue with Timothy when he wrote to him in 2 Timothy 3, 5 about one of the characteristics of the last days. And remember, when Paul addressed this to Timothy, he was talking about the church. He said that one of the characteristics is they will have a form of godliness but will deny the power of it. Now, don't go look in your Strong's Concordance to look up all the references to the spirit of religion because you won't find it there. There is no reference in the Bible that identifies it as the spirit of religion. However, we see the manifestation of this powerful demonic deception throughout the history of the church. It was the spirit of religion that Jeremiah addressed when he said, in the scripture that we used earlier, for my people have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The problem in Israel's relationship with Jehovah is they wanted to make him religious. The dynamic that went on of the controversy between worshiping God and worshiping Baal is the people, it was not that they opposed Jehovah. It was that they wanted Baal also. And the reason that they wanted Baal was because Baal worship was tangible. The reason that they liked idolatry is idolatry is tangible. This is the great God of the ruler. O oh, great God of the ruler, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, we bless you, we honor you. We built you this beautiful temple. We're going to give to you money, and what you don't spend, we'll take it back. And God of the ruler, we're going to give you food, and what you don't eat, we'll take it back and sell it in the market. And God of the ruler, we're going to give you flowers, and what you don't use, we'll go and sell in the marketplace. And oh, by the way, God of the ruler, we don't want to offend you in some way, but God of the ruler, if you haven't yet but noticed, I'm holding you up. And I can make you go up. I can make you go down. I can move you to the left. I can move you to the right. I can put you in circles and make you do whatever I want to do. And so therefore, great God, oh, holy, wonderful God of the ruler, 
I ask you to bless my crops and bless my family and bless my cattle and my sheep and keep us free from our enemies. And, oh, God of the ruler, if you don't do that, well, I'll just have to get rid of you and replace your deity with the great God of the yellow felt tip pen. Oh, God of the yellow felt tip pen, we love you, we honor you, we bless you, we praise you. Oh, you're so wonderful, oh, God of the yellow felt tip pen. But, God of the felt tip pen, I would suggest that you ask around and find out where the great God of the ruler went. Because I want a God that I can make you do whatever I want you to do, whenever I want you to do it. The purpose behind idolatry is always manipulation and control. And when it gets into the church, it is an effort to take God in His presence, God in His glory, and reduce Him to a tangible and manageable, predictable, controllable form. And the problem that Israel had with Jehovah is he couldn't be put in a box like all the other idols, like all the other gods of their day. I mean, Moses couldn't even get a straight answer out of him when he said, what's your name? And God said, my name is I am. And what's your last name? I am that I am. What do you look like? God said, I'm not going to let you put my picture on your t-shirt. I'm going to stay in a cloud because if I show you who I am, I'll have to kill you. I mean, that's basically what happened is he was not going to be reduced and confined and contained to any form. And the problem that Israel had, my dear brothers and sisters, was that this God of Moses, this Jehovah, was so narrow-minded and one-sided in everything he did. Because the first command he ever said is, you will have no other gods before me. They didn't mind him at all. They just wanted to have Jehovah plus everybody else. And God was saying, you're not to have any gods but me, my presence, my power, my glory. I'll not yield to you. You must yield to me. I'll not serve you. You must serve me. And that was the problem. And you see, that's where the devil came with this sinister spirit of religion. Now, remember, the origin of the spirit of religion is Satan himself. Satan is a very religious character. We just kind of have this vision of the devil just out there doing his thing and living in sin. In actuality, the devil knows the Bible better than you and I know the Bible. He's a legalist in every sense of the word. And any time the heavens begin to open and the glory of God begins to be revealed supernaturally, this spirit of religion will rise up to oppose it. It's amazing to me how you can go on the Internet, and I don't recommend that you waste your time doing this, but you go on the Internet and look up revival, and you will find all these horrible, horrible, horrible websites, horrible, horrible accusations against men and women and ministers that are involved in revival. They say it's a cult. They say it's the devil. It's this. It's that. I mean, these people in revival ministries are actually secret Satanists that are out trying to deceive the church and all of these kinds of things. Well, that's the spirit of religion speaking. I remember so well in 1993 when the heavens opened over Carpenter's Home Church in Lakeland, Florida. 
seven, eight, nine thousand, ten thousand people a night crowded that church for 16 weeks, coming from all over America, coming all over the world to be a part of that great revival that was going on. There were Christian people, so-called Christian people, that were standing out on U.S. 19 with big placards and signs, walking on the highway, warning Christians, don't go in there, it's the devil. It's the devil. Manifested presence of God, people being saved, people being healed, people being touched, lives being changed. and Religious people opposed it. The purpose of the spirit of religion is to pervert and distort and silence the true revelation of the glory of God in the life of the individual believer and in the church corporately by replacing it with a religious belief and behavior system which is void of the presence of God. The spirit of religion comes to replace the revelation of glory with something else that's more polite, more predictable, more manageable, and more under control. Satan's most effective weapon is his ability to lie to and deceive people. And one of the ways that he does it is by this spirit of religion. Though we do not find it listed as such in Scripture, we find its manifestation in the Old Testament. We find its manifestation in the Gospels. We find its manifestation in the New Testament church. Jesus was not crucified by the sinners. The sinners loved Him. It was religious people. It was religious people that sat in His meetings and criticized Him and continued to find fault with Him and persecuted Him and plotted how they might kill Him and ultimately nailed Him on a cross. Well, that was the spirit of religion. It is a deceptive, lying spirit that seeks to snuff out It seeks to silence the true revelation of God in His glory in our lives individually and in the church corporately. Why it's so dangerous? It opposes and prevents the true revelation of the glory of God. But secondly, and more importantly, it deceives people into a false sense of security through a type of counterfeit salvation. Where people come to believe that well, if I do this and I do that and I live this way and I live that way and I believe this and I believe that and I say this and I say that, that means I'm saved. Well, dear brothers and sisters, the only thing that makes us saved is relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and being washed in the blood and having fellowship with Him through His Spirit. It's not the adoption of the creed of man or giving mental assent to a particular form of doctrine or theology. It's relationship-based and experience-based. To the measure that the church lives outside the conscious awareness and pursuit of the presence and glory of God, it walks in the deception of the spirit of religion. The root cause of idolatry is man's efforts to manipulate and control God. It's just like The great God of the ruler, we love you, we worship you, we honor you, we praise you, but I'm holding you up. I make you go down, I make you come up, I make you go left, I make you go right. I make you go in circles, and if you don't do what I say when I say it, I'll get rid of you, and I'll find another one. Oh, God of the yellow felt-tip pen, do what I say, be what I want you to be, agree with me, I'm going to speak for you, and you're going to nod your head. Yes, amen, Brother John. 
And if you don't do what I want you to do, then, well, we'll get rid of you too, and we'll go find some other God. To the extent that the church lives outside of the conscious awareness and pursuit of the presence and glory of God, it is being influenced and deceived by this spirit of religion. And the root cause of idolatry is man's efforts to manipulate and control God. The opposition to Jesus came from religious people whose only relationship with God was the relationship that they had with Him in the law. They were legalists. Their only relationship was what they saw in the law, what they saw in the Old Testament. They could no doubt quote from memory all the verses about the coming Messiah. And yet when He stood before them, they said, You're a blasphemer, full of the devil. And the quicker we kill you and get you out of the way, the better everybody's going to be because they only knew him at one level, and that was in the law. Opposition to the church in the book of Acts came from religious people. (laughs) The sinners were being saved in multitudes, but it was the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the wouldn'tsees, and the couldn'tsees that were the enemies of the New Testament church. One of the most famous of those was Saul of Tarsus, a man that had studied the traditions of Israel from the time he was eight years old under the tutorage of Gamaliel, grew up zealous, a Hebrew of the Hebrews he described himself as being, a persecutor of the church until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and had a revelation of glory. And then everything changed. Opposition to the moving of God's Spirit in the church has always come from religious people. Opposition to revival in the earth has always come from religious people. Their favorite battle cry is often, it's the devil, it's the devil. Why, that's just the devil, or that's not God. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to be very, very careful to be sure that we don't paint with too wide of a brush when we are deciding what's of God and what's of the devil. Now, there are things that are legitimately of the devil that need to be exposed. We're not suggesting even for a heartbeat of the incorporation of New Age and cultic practices. We stay right with the Word of the living God. Amen? I want to be very, very clear on that. But just because something is new doesn't mean it's of the devil. I mean, a little over a hundred years ago, can you imagine getting up on Sunday morning in your average church? And trying to explain to the people about a cell telephone, cell telephone, you'll have this little thing in your pocket about this big or your purse, and you carry it around and you just punch the on button and you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world. Well, that's witchcraft. Well, God's not in that. Well, glory to God, that's just not God. Can anybody imagine a laptop computer? Just plug it into a telephone line. What's a telephone line? I don't know what a telephone is. Well, you just plug it into this little wire that comes out of the wall of your house. And you click some little buttons, and then you've got a whole world of access available to you. You can talk, you can pipe on that little laptop to anybody anywhere all over the globe, and they'll get your message just like that. Well, that's not God. That's got to be of the devil. Just because we've not seen something before, just because something is new to us, just because God's doing something that we may not necessarily have been personally privileged to be a part of, does not make it the devil. We need to have open hearts and yielded hearts and know and recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit and know the presence of God and the glory of God and when He's in it and when He's not 
And when we find His presence and we find His glory, whether we understand it or we don't understand it, if it's good enough for God, it'll be good enough for me. And I have to change. If I have to adapt, if I have to alter, if I have to apologize, if I have to admit I was wrong and go another direction, I want to be in the middle of whatever it is that God's doing. Amen? So when it comes to new things in the revelation of the glory of God, take every opportunity that you get to just shut up. To take every opportunity that you get to just be quiet. Because many times the spirit of religion will masquerade itself in this thing. Well, that's not God. This is God and that's not God. And we go around with our Holy Spirit ruler that is based on our little experience. And we measure this and we measure that and we measure this and we measure that based on our experience. And we say, well, if it fits my measurements, then that must be God. And if it's not fitting my measurements, brothers and sisters, there are bigger rulers than brother what you have. This is a small ruler. And there are rulers that go out to here. And some go out to here. And God measures with a bigger ruler. Now realize something with me. It's very important. God is never a teaser. God is not a teaser and God's not an entertainer. God doesn't have anything to prove to anybody about anything. But everything God does, He does for a purpose. And it's all part of one big, sovereign, wonderful plan that He's trying to work out. Therefore, we be very, very careful about getting seduced into the battle cry of the spirit of religion. Well, that's just not God. Well, maybe it is God. We just need to be sensitive spiritually to that end. I want us to look very quickly at some of the characteristics of the spirit of religion that you'll always find when the spirit of religion is present. It is very legalistic and very rule-centered concerning the behavior of people. It is very legalistic. It is very rule-centered, becoming as it relates to the behavior of people. Islam, Islam right now, is a primary example of the spirit of religion run wild. I met a man in England about four weeks ago, one of the meetings. This man was from Iran. As a young boy, he was a young man in his 20s that's now born again, saved, loves Jesus with all of his heart. But as a young boy of only six years old, he was walking with his mother home from the market in Tehran. And his mother was dressed in all the black robes and everything of Islam to protect her purity and her reputation and had the veil over her face with just her eyes sticking out. And his testimony was, when I was six years old, I was walking with my mother from the market. And because it was a hot day, just a bit of my mother's hair had slipped out from beneath the veil that was over her head. A little bit of her hair was hanging down. And said two policemen, religious policemen, came up to her and beat her, physically beat her in the street for letting that little bit of hair hang down beneath the veil. They said, you're an immoral woman. You're letting that hair hang down purposely to attract men for immoral purposes. And they physically beat this woman to the ground with their fist in front of her terrified six-year-old boy. And this brother in the Lord said it was that day when I was six years old, I knew that God was something else other than this. He said, I remember the day. He said, I was being brought up to be a strict Muslim. 
But he said, that day I knew that what had just happened to my mother had nothing whatsoever to do with God. And he began a search. God saved him and filled him with the Holy Spirit. And today he's in his early 20s, loves Jesus with all of his heart. But the spirit of religion is very legalistic. It's not just love Jesus, but if you love Jesus, you'll follow the 99 rules. It's found in our rule book. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. You can't be this, can't do that. On and on and on and on and on and on and on. And anyone that transgresses the rules, shame, 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 shame. Now, please understand with me, my brothers and sisters. Please, please do not make the mistake of thinking that we are in some way inferring that Christians can just run loose and do anything they want to do and live in any manner that they choose. Nothing could be farther from the truth. God is a holy God and we must worship Him and love Him, but also obey Him and yield to Him. But rules, for the sake of rules, become legalism. And it is legalism that is seen as replacing the righteousness of Christ Jesus, the work that He already finished for us on the cross, that if you keep all the rules and you dot all the I's and you cross all the T's and you do all these things that we tell you to do, then God will approve of you. That's what the spirit of religion wants to say, and that's a deception. The spirit of religion is also very prideful, a very arrogant attitude about their point of view. Some Christians go around and they say, well, you know, we're right. Brother, I love you with all my heart. God bless you. So good to meet you. But brother, when you get to heaven, you'll find out that he was on my side. Brother, I'm praying for you that you'll have a greater revelation and then you'll understand I'm right. That's the spirit of religion. That's the spirit of religion talking. Every time, that's the spirit of religion. They're always preoccupied with being right. I'm scraping a nerve here this morning. I can tell by the way the class here in Columbus is looking around at each other and grinning and nodding. I don't know who we're talking about this morning, but uh, there's something going on here. I, I don't know what, but there's something going on in the class this morning. The spirit of religion, this deceptive devil right out of the pit of hell that comes to deceive people and draw them away from the glory and replace it with a system of rules and regulations they are always right. The Bible answer man. I have an answer for everything right out of the Bible. If you really want to know what the truth is, I'll come and I'll enlighten you. They're more concerned with knowing the Word of God than knowing God. Now, we need to know the Word of God. We need to read it every day. We need to soak in it. We need to saturate in it. We need to be filled with it. We need to live by it, its spirit, its truth, its life, its blessing. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's been around since the beginning, and it'll be here when everything else is gone. It is eternal, Word of the living God. But beloved, just knowing the Word is not enough. The people that killed Jesus knew the Word. But when the living Word stood before them, they persecuted Him and rejected Him. Fifthly, the spirit of religion, when it's full-blown and operational, will usually manifest itself by being against more things than they're really for. We can't really tell you what we're for, but if you got all afternoon, I'll tell you everything we're against. 
It's the spirit of religion that's talking. It's very restrictive toward emotion shown in worship to God. Let's don't have any emotion in here. Anybody gets emotional in their worship of God, well, we're just going to give you the right foot of fellowship. We don't allow that here. Hello? Don't get emotional. Beloved, how is it possible to get under an open heaven where the presence and glory of God is coming wonderfully in our lives and not have a stirring down deep within our hearts that responds to God on that level? It comes as a real shock to some people to realize that God is emotional too, that He's capable of a wide range of emotions. And we are made in His image. And when in this earthly realm we make contact with the heavenly realm, something happens at an emotional level that transcends the cognitive, the intellectual, the academic. There's a stirring down deep within. The spirit of religion wants to hose that down, prevent that from happening. Seventh, it's more focused on a man, a doctrine, or a movement than on God. I think that's fairly self-explanatory. Spirit of religion is always wrapped up in a man, the teachings of a man, the teachings of a woman, the personality of someone, a doctrine, a theology. People deceived by the spirit of religion will get on a crusade about some doctrine or some theology or against something and all they can talk about and think about. They believe they're the ones that are only truly right. In night, the spirit of religion will always be in opposition to anything supernatural in the church. Because anything supernatural in the church is a revelation of glory, and the spirit of religion comes to snuff out and stop and abort that revelation of glory. This is the thing that the spirit of religion so vehemently and passionately opposes is the revelation of the supernatural. Now, listen to me. 99% of what people deceived by the spirit of religion believe and say has merit and has truth embedded within it, 99%. I mean, these aren't necessarily heretics. This is not necessarily a false religion. It's not necessarily something bizarre and weird, though it can be. But mainstream spirit of religion, 99% of it's true. But it's the 1% that's in error. And it's the 1% that you would think 99% would outweigh 1%, but it's that 1% that extinguishes the revelation of glory in a life or in a church, in a city, or in a nation. I mean, realize something with me today. 99.5% of rat poison in the ingredients is actually good for the rat. A rat can eat 99.5% of what's contained in rat poison and fare quite well, even gain weight eating rat poison. But it's the half of 1% that's introduced into that rat poison. That's what kills the rat. And so the spirit of religion operates much the same way. It's got truth in it, but it's that one part that's off that comes to silence the revelation of God in the earth. Now, why is it that it's important today that we recognize the Spirit for what it is? Because firstly, this is the Spirit that divides Christians and splits churches. Removing people from the church is not the solution. It's part of the problem sometimes. Sometimes we just want to say, if we just kick enough people out, we'll get this place right. 
kicking people out. Sometimes, not always, there are times that people need to be removed from the church when they're walking in open disobedience and sin and rebellion against God. We need to do that. Not saying for a moment or heartbeat that we shouldn't. But church splits are caused by the spirit of religion. I heard someone say recently, I thought about it. It's so true, and I believe it with all my heart. The whole world would be a Christian world today if it wasn't for Christians. That's true. That's true. Christianity comes and offers life, blessing, healing, provision, love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, the glory of God, the presence of God, walking in the glory that Jesus walked in. But the thing that makes the church such a mess is that religious spirit that invades the church and invades the lives of believers that demonstrates itself in all these attitudes that we've already covered. Has anybody ever seen anybody leave the church, go out and start a new church because they were wrong? Well, I'm getting out of this church because I'm wrong. I'm leaving this church. You're going to go start another church because I'm wrong. No, that's not what they say. We're going to leave this church and get out of this church because you're wrong and I'm right. And I'm not going to stay here any longer and have fellowship with you. Hello? The whole world would be Christians if it wasn't for Christians. I mean, the devil knows. The devil knows. I mean, Satan understands today. He cannot stop the church. He cannot stop it. He cannot abort it without help. So where does he go to get help? Well, he goes to get help from demons. Can demons help him stop the church? No. Can principalities and powers help him? No. So what does he do? He goes and finds Christians that will cooperate with him and will yield to him. Realize with me today, the devil doesn't have hands like we have hands. He doesn't have feet like we have feet. He doesn't have a mouth and a voice in the earth like we have. But it's when people get deceived and we give him our hands and give him our feet and give him our voice and give him our body that he uses people unawares I mean, those guys, those 19 guys that hijacked those four airplanes and crashed them into buildings in Washington and New York in a field in Pennsylvania, they thought they were right. You say, they thought they were right? Yes, they thought they were right. They thought when that plane hit the building the next second, they would be in paradise for all of eternity to live with their 30 virgins. That's what they believed. You see, being sincere does not mean you're right. I remember years ago seeing Charlie Brown in the comics. Charlie Brown is standing on the baseball field. And Charlie Brown asked this remarkable question. He said, why is it that we keep losing when I'm so sincere? Sincerity does not equal being right. Some people may be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And we need the revelation of the Word of God, the revelation of truth. This is the spirit that separates and divides Christians. Secondly, it restricts the church from moving forward in the things of God. Thirdly, it robs the church of its power because without the presence of God, the glory of God, we have no power. All the power comes from Him and it only comes when He's revealed and when He cannot be revealed because we've shut Him down, replacing Him with the spirit of religion, the power will go as well. And this spirit of religion takes the place of the Holy Spirit in the church thereby producing apostasy and death. Very quickly, I want us to think together about four ways to combat this powerful tool of the devil. 
in the church. The first is to walk in humility before God and walk in humility before God's people. The Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of God and He will exalt you in due time. We need to be a people that walk in humility before God. Some people, even pastors of churches, they believe they've got a franchise on God and what God does in their city. If God's going to move in my town, He knows where I am. I pastor the biggest church in this town. I do this. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this degree. I've got that degree. Bless God. Hallelujah. God knows where to find me when He needs me. Hallelujah. I'll carry my cell phone. He can call me. Well, God may very well go out and find some 19-year-old kid, pour out His Spirit upon him, raise him up as a mighty man of God. God may go out and find, oh, God help us. He may go find a woman. Whoa. Well, that's not God. God doesn't use women. Well, that's another session. Of course He uses women. Of course He anoints women. Of course He raises up women and anoints them with His glory and His power. Well, well, well. We need to walk in humility before God. And we need to walk in humility before one another. You see, I count every man, I count every woman who loves Jesus, who's been washed in His blood, who's living for Him with all they have in this life. I count every one of them my brother. Every one of them my sister. Why? Because they're God's kids. And maybe they're different from me. And maybe I'm different from them. But we've got one Father in heaven and a hundred years from today it really won't matter. It really won't matter. It really won't matter. It really won't matter. We need to walk in humility before each other. We need to walk in humility before God. I can't stress this enough. That's the reason it's so hard in so many cities to get pastors to come together to pray together for this city. For pastors that are here today, God never calls a man, God never calls a woman to a church. He calls a man or a woman to that city. He calls them to the city. And one of the hardest things to do is to get pastors in a town, pastors in a city, to come together in unity and love and wash one another's feet and pray for one another, bless one another. Because most pastors view other pastors in that city, that's the competition. Sunday morning when they all get up and get dressed, that guy over there, he's trying to get them to get in their car and drive to his place. And I need them in my place because I need their check in my offering basket. Jealousy. Jealousy and envy and covetousness and greed and suspicion and competition. My brothers and sisters, we need to walk in humility before God. We need to walk in humility before one another. We need to submit to one another in the spirit of love. Love them, pray for them, bless each other. Hallelujah. Desire the best for everybody because church, when the church in a city wins, everybody wins. When the river of God flows in a city, the water level rises for everybody. You see, the spirit of religion tries to hold it back. Secondly, walk in forgiveness. Forgive people. Forgive them. Forgive people. Forgive people. Forgive people. 
Thirdly, purpose in your heart to always be seeking to be a part of whatever God is doing in any given generation. Go to the places where His glory is being seen and experienced. Go get under the spout where the glory is coming out. Some people have got this attitude, well, God knows where I am. If it's for me, God knows where to find me. No, go to the place where the water is being stirred. Go. And fourthly, and most importantly, always stay hungry for more and more of God. Always stay hungry for a greater revelation of the glory of God. Always stay passionately in pursuit of the revelation of His presence, a greater anointing, a greater dimension. And the spirit of religion will never touch us. God bless you.